The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today, it's a preview of the brand new Premier League season. We talk the new faces, the new places. We review the clubs in stasis and make predictions about the relegation spaces with no factual basis. Plus, quiz questions, retro fun and more in this Totally Football Show Premier League preview. Hello, everybody. It's Tuesday and it's the 2nd of August, which is days away now from kickoff in what is the 30th edition of the world's most successful league. The calm before the storm now, really. Disturbed is it the 31st? Only. Sorry. Is it? No, you're right. That's Charlie Eccleshare. <coughs> Boom, with the facts. <laughs> 31st. It's the 31st, is it? All right. Producer Charlie will be all over that. Anyway, hi, Charlie Eccleshare. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Uh, James Horncastle is also with us. Good day. As is Daniel Story. Good morning, James. And we're going to do a super smashing preview of the 31st Premier League season with predictions, with fun stuff. There's a quiz later on. Are you excited? Oh, God. I don't know, it depends <laughs> if you're going to shaft me again on the quiz, James. After no, my Fabio no back. No, no, I haven't no. been back on the main show since that uh, fiasco. Yeah, so. well... Here's your chance. Your shot at redemption. Um, <laughs> Trigger warnings bring up that uh, quiz for <laughs> yeah. me and James. Wow. Yeah, maybe that was ill-advised, actually. Here's something that will lighten the mood. I've got a list of uh, things to look forward to this season. Hmm? Five subs in the Premier League. Something that we saw perhaps the benefit of in, in, the, in, the, in the Euros this summer. You excited about that, anyone? Yeah, the suspicion or the worry is that it'll be used as a, a time-wasting exercise, oh, Daniel. I suppose. Uh, I mean, it's been used on the continent for three years now. Um, yeah. it's glad, I'm glad that it's finally come to the UK. This is, this is a little bit like everything. Um, you know, it, we can't get anything these days. You know, there's, there's <laughs> so much paperwork to file and costs so much money that finally we've got five subs three years after everybody else did. Great. Well, we did have we did have it briefly, didn't we? And then we said we didn't mm. need it, and then turns out we do need it again. I mean, I think the, the besides the time wasting, the may the other worry is that it will just be you know it will favour teams like City being able to empty their very very strong bench and make upsets even harder. Um, but we'll see. I think it makes games more chaotic, more unpredictable, because as much as you know, coaches like to have control, um, adding more variables into it actually more often than not sees them relinquish control and just games become mad um, agent of chaos i like exactly it. all right i hope so speaking of which welcome back howard webb he's back Hi, buddy. <laughs> the commissioner <laughs> yeah he's going to be uh, chief refereeing officer at pogmall mm. the, the sad thing there is his name is nowhere near as fun for richard's keys to say as mike riley oh i'm sure i'm sure keys will find others to uh, <laughs> to vent Okay, uh, what else we got this season that's new? Only one new manager so far, Eric Ten Hag. But the traditional fun of wondering where the second will be. Who's your money on, Charlie? Hmm. What are the bookies saying? Has anyone checked yet? Bookies are saying uh, Ralph Hasenhutl and Jesse really? Marsh. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. I think Hasenhutl because he's been there a long time, and Marsh because yeah. he hasn't. Um, 
my punt would be I can see a Marco Silva meltdown coming. I just don't know when it is. Okay. Mm. Also, new this season, a World Cup bang in the middle of the campaign. Ooh. What does it mean? We literally don't well, care. It means, it means that English players will not be tired after the end of a full season, um, you know, going into the World Cup, which has always, apart from in 1966, hampered um, golden generations of English players from winning the World Cup. Hmm. Why didn't it hamper them in 66? Oh, because they won because, because we we won it and we were playing at home. You know? I see. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, ha, I mean, I, I'm certainly pumped about this brand new campaign. It was a day like this 30 years ago, or possibly 31, Charlie will have a view <laughs> on that, that the world's most successful football league first kicked off different times back then. And to salute this hugely significant anniversary, producer Charlie has prepared a, a cultural snapshot of the way things were in faraway 1992. See how many references you can spot. We're not worthy! We're not worthy! I am Catwoman. Hear me roar. I'll fight the English. I'll fight the Spanish. I'll find the flipping poke if you want me to. I have no doubt that the Conservative government will have five more years of work in office. 22-year-old Andre Agassi in tears has won Wimbledon. It's Linford Christie, and the British captain is the Olympic champion. Sheringham goes for goal! Brought back some memories, didn't it? Oh, amazing. Yeah, but Martin Tyler. So, why did the Premier League or Sky yeah. go with Simple Minds and Alive and Kicking, which had been me. out already for seven years? That, that was, was you. Yeah, it was literally me. I mean, possibly it was me. I was working as a, a, as a producer at Sky and I was charged with producing a little. Pro- when they first got the deal, they said, make a quick promo. So, I made a promo and I went with Alive and Kicking because, you know. Football. Well, I think the pre-verse to that song is is just brilliant for Super. football. Now. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. but anyway, uh, it didn't get and, and it featured Richard Keys actually. It's one and only time I worked with Richard Keys. I directed Richard Keys. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a game recognizes game. Yeah. So that that Spider Man meme. One hundred percent. And um, is this where it goes, James Richardson? I am your father. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, one of us is hairier than the other, uh, it's fair to say. But um, but my promo wasn't picked up because then they got in a very, very uh, big budget kind of uh, agency to do it. But I was intrigued that my track was then used. And I, I have to feel that, that that was possibly not unconnected. Maybe they would have come up with it anyway. I don't know. I think what they should do every year yeah. as they launch the Premier League is just redo that video a different Ooh. take on that mm. video yeah. but with this song which i associate so strongly which song? with the with simple minds okay with yeah. alive and kicking with the launch of you know super league that didn't cause any uh, sort of mass protests on the street i think we should do this every year we should just right. do a different different version of it okay well, i mean you can make your own one at home in your bedroom these days that's you know where we are that's the brave new world we live in Anyway, uh, Daniel, did you enjoy that look back? Wayne's World was in there, Batman, 
Did you catch the BBC... Batman Returns, I think. Was it Batman Returns? I think so, yeah. Okay, did you catch the soap that was in there? No, that was the one bit I didn't. Really? It was a TV show with bad acting set in an exotic location, started in 1992. It's no longer with us. Well, <laughs> Football Italia. Not, yeah. no, <laughs> no. It was El Dorado. Uh, El Dorado. Slightly really? before my time, I, I protest. Yeah. Anyway. All right, listener, you're here for season preview stuff, so let's get talking, first of all, about the big question, the title. Who's going to win and why? And is there any chance of a third party getting into the mix? Who wants to go first with a prediction? Charlie. Well, I think the team that could get in the mix is Spurs. Um, but, but, but to win the title, I think it'll be City. Okay. Sorry to be boring. but That's all right. James? I think Liverpool, just because they cared so much about winning the Community Shield. You, know, you saw that in Trent Alexander-Arnold's post-match press conference where he was like, you know, our season starts today. We wanted to win this. They hadn't won it. I mean, if, if a club cares that much about winning the Community Shield... You know, God knows what's going to happen when the Premier League actually starts. So I also just think the end of last season uh, for Liverpool, sort of, you know, missing out on the title on the final day, missing out on the on the Champions League, which uh, every kind of uh, English pundit thought they were going to win. You know, I think that's going to be a massive motivation for uh, for Liverpool. And you know, the variable is you know which which striker hits the ground running. Uh, and adapts to the Premier League quicker. Uh, mm. Is it is it Darwin or is it uh, is it Erling Haaland? So, so I'll say Liverpool. Good for you, James. Uh, Daniel, you were at the King Power on Saturday to see the battle of the new striker signings, aka Community Shield. Do you think the transfers, the changes to the lineups, could be the difference this time around? And who, who, who's your who's your tip? Yeah, I was about to say, before thinking about it for a second, I was about to say I think it'll be closer than last year. And then I realised, obviously, City only won by a point last year. So that's... Which suggests that... I am I mean, I've picked City in, in the kind of predicted table I've done, but it would really not surprise me if, if Liverpool won the league. I think that City could have won the league without signing Haaland. In fact, I think they probably would have been more likely to win the league if they'd have stuck, but they've obviously bought Haaland as a kind of future-proofing thing. Uh, whereas Liverpool, there does feel, even with Nunes coming in, there does feel like more of a, a continuity element there. And, and Klopp has always been at his best when there's a carrot for his teams to kind of right or wrong. And the way that Champions League final transpired on and off the pitch, I think has certainly created that motivation to to kind of make good on last season and uh, and kind of dissuade this notion that they fell just short by only winning two trophies. I, I am curious with Liverpool, and I, I slightly wonder how much of an impact losing Sadio Mane will have. I think that's been slightly underestimated because obviously bringing, the focus has been, been on bringing in Darwin Nunes. But I think he's so, so good. I mean, he's, you know, obviously Salah uh, hogs a lot of the attention and the headlines, but... Mane's been so good for them for such a long time. I mean, he's his form barely dipped over six years. Um, and I, th- I think that might have more of an impact than, than a lot of people are expecting. Fun fact, Daniel, you mentioned that City won the title by just a point last season. In the 30 years of the Premier League, Man City have now won the title by the biggest margin, 19 points, and also the smallest margin when they did on just goal difference. Of course, they've won six of the last 10 titles and uh, the last two consecutive Crikey. So James Horncastle says Liverpool and you others say City. James, beyond motivation, is there anything about the... Li- is it... Is it uh, let me... Th- I'm just groping around for reasons that City might 
might not do another of their steamroller seasons. Possibly missing out on Cucurella. Is that? I mean, is that a big, big reach to suggest that could be significant? Well, an injury. Yeah, I mean, we've seen injuries decide titles uh, in in the recent past. I mean, you think of Imeric Laporte going down injured when they didn't have enough other left-footed, left centre-backs. Um, you look at uh, Liverpool uh, when they lost Van Dijk in that Merseyside derby um, as well. Um, I think both clubs have kind of subsequently reacted by getting a lot of good cover <laughs> in for whatever quote-unquote uh not weak spot, but less strong spots that they've got in the in the squad. It's it's why they're they're both far and away the best best teams in the league, and uh, we expect them or one of them to be in the Champions League final every year. So I I, I don't know. I I mean when when Daniel was talking about City's kind of signings, I think I think it's quite interesting where you, you, how many new signings at City can you subtract before they don't become a sort of title-winning team? Because <laughs> you can subtract, you could maybe subtract Haaland because they'd already won it. You could subtract Grealish as well, and they could, and they could win it. So it's an interesting one. Daniel certainly was, was was saying Monday that you felt that the move from Raheem Sterling to to Grealish in that area of the field is is possibly going to cause City some. It's going to disrupt a bit the smoothness under the mechanism which they've been enjoying for for so long. Yeah, and the thing is, is that City's weakness, if they have had one in kind of broad Premier League strokes, is that they've started slowly and then hit this period of relentless form. If we agree that it's going to take some time for Haaland to settle in, the period of time in which City would get relentless, we, we this year we have a five-week World Cup in the middle. They normally, between November and December, that is when they get going. So if they do have that slow start and then it takes time and then Liverpool... You know, Mo Salah has five weeks off, um, for example. If they can kind of regroup at that stage and be ready to go again, and they have an advantage, then I can see it. The the one thing we have learned in last in recent Premier League title seasons is that a team that gets a lead in about November, December, has stuck with it and has just kind of steamrolled their way through the rest of the season. Do you see anybody challenging the top two realistically? Charlie, I know you've just... Spent some time off in the East watching Harry Kane throw up. Um, no dentist chairs involved. Yeah. No. <laughs> A very different vibe to to that. But yeah, as I saw Harry Kane throwing up on the side of the pitch in this soul humanitarian. I thought, <laughs> I thought this could be their year. Uh, no, I do. I think they. Um, I would expect they would come third. I mean, since Conte came in, they've been the third best team points wise mm. and by pretty much any metric. So you know, it's hardly a, a big leap. Even if they were to turn five losses from last season into wins and get an extra fifteen points, which would, I think everyone would agree would be a pretty mega turnaround in the space of one season, that would get them to eighty six points. And the the prob you know that's an that's an amazing tally, but Liverpool and City are so relentless that the bar's been raised, and anything below ninety points, you're going to struggle to win the league with. I mean, C- City did it season before the one just gone, but that was because they they didn't really need to get much more than that because Liverpool were were miles off it that year. So I I think they will be well, they'll certainly be competitive in the individual games against Liverpool and City. I mean, they took eight points from their four games against those two teams last year. Other than that, the closest, the most anyone got was four points. So that they are clearly very, very good against those two teams. And I think Conte will love those matches. He'll relish those matches. Uh, and I think they'll be far closer than they were last year. Um, 
but I think uh, it's it's just such a gap to bridge. And, and the mm. problem they they and anyone have is that it's feasible that like two seasons ago, Liverpool might have a bit of a meltdown year. But for both of those teams to have a year where they're so off it just feels um, slightly far-fetched. Right. I mean, there are factors in their favour. Conte having a full vomit-inducing pre-season with the team. The number and, and the quality of the transfer business that they've done, Perisic, Basuma, Jed Spence, Longley and Richarlison coming in. And also the fact... Fraser that Forster. Ha- Fraser Forster, yeah. That's one of the key ones. Uh, and also the fact that this time around, they don't have their most important player, still arguably, mm. pretty much on strike and, and, and desperate to make a move away going into the new season. At least I assume so, unless he he really has taken exception to that. No, but they do have a... they do have. Champions League football to to contend with, which um, given the you know the signing of Richarlison is great, but there will still clearly be if if they're going to achieve all that we maybe predict and that they're going to be a potential challenger, they are going to be so reliant on those key players, and those key players are massive in the Champions League, and they're also going to be massive in the World Cup. Um, they don't have. Uh, or they probably won't have the benefit that Liverpool have and City have with Haaland and and Salah and Riyad Mahrez having time off during November December. It is going to be an incredibly relentless season for Tottenham's key players and you know Kane and Son primary amongst those. Mm. Well, they got a slap in the face course just last weekend, beaten by Jose Mourinho's incredible. <laughs> Incredible Europe Conference League winning. Sorry, no, Charlie. Just wanted to say hey, that they lost one nil to Roma. Dybala, Tammy Abraham, and Nicolas yeah. Zaniolo. I mean, what a forward line that is, by the way. Yeah. Well, that, that's a subject for another another podcast. But Perisic, the, is that the signing that is that a signing that you're especially excited about, James? It is because I don't think, uh, despite his age, uh, there's any doubt that he has the athleticism um, to, to to play in the Premier League uh, and be one of the the best performers um, in that regard someone who is very plug and play knows what Conte expects from that position having uh, tried it and then been sent on loan to Bayern Munich where he won the treble because Conte didn't believe he could do it and then Conte brought him back and he was very good uh, and certainly last year whether it was because he was playing for a new contract at Inter but in the second half of the season he was one of the best players in the league uh, without a shadow of a doubt um, and you know, I think you, you progressively see, um, as much as people say, oh, Conte plays a back three, he's Italian, must be defensive. Um, you see the fact that he wants, you know, wingers as wing backs. He plays two strikers or in, 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 in the case of Spurs and Chelsea, three attacking players um, through the middle. Um, it looks like they want to add another midfield player who can actually kind of play as an eight and a half or a number 10 as well. And so it'll be a very attacking Spurs. It'll be, I suppose that's had the benefit of a pre-season, even if that was a vomit-inducing pre-season, which Conte obviously didn't have uh, last time around. This is a guy who has beaten Guardiola and Klopp to a league title in the Premier League before, uh, with a Chelsea team that had finished after the the quote-unquote Mourinho season. Uh, That Chelsea team had experience of winning a league, unlike this Spurs one. But Conte is a guy who regularly gets teams into 90 points. This is, a, this is a guy who has set a record in Serie A, 102 points. Yeah, that's the kind of figure you need if you're going up against a Klopp or a Pep Guardiola. Now, this is a tougher league. It's, it's a team with different prospects from others that he's had in the past. But I completely concur with Charlie that if there is a team to get in and, the, in and around it, um, 
it should be Spurs. All right, Charlie, last word on this? Well, he also has the experience with Inter of overhauling that Juve team that were you know, far more dominant than either Chelsea or Liverpool. Obviously, they were coming to the end of that cycle. You'd say they weren't at the same level. And he, because I, I made this point to him, and he said, yes, but the difference is there, there was one team, here there are two. Um, but I, and I, ju- yeah, just on Perisic, I mean, I, I just found it so striking watching the Roma game on Saturday and it being like, right, yeah, this is what Conte wants from his wing backs. I mean, he was so high. He was firing shots off. He was flying into the penalty box. He was, as James says, playing like a winger. Um, and that's exciting because obviously he comes into the team, Spence, it will probably take a bit longer, but once he's in the team, then you are getting closer to that Conte paradigm. They've added Basuma, which I think is a great signing. Richarlison means they do have a bit more depth because, as Daniel says, they're going to need that with Kane and Son. So I, I think um, there's lots for them to be excited about. And there may be an attacking midfielder to come as well. Cool. I've got Coolio going through my head now, ever since you said paradigm. Uh, Spurs will <laughs> get their season. Paradigm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Spurs kick off Saturday against Saints. Uh, West Ham will be hosting Man City on Sunday. Liverpool get a trip to their old pals Fulham in the early game on Saturday. All right, well, loads to come. We're going to talk about top four and that next. Hi, I'm James Richardson with a quick word on the audio treats The Athletic have in store this season. Three times a week you get the award-winning Totally Football Show with the likes of James Horncastle, Raphael Honigstein, Carl Anker and Rory Smith and me. Uh, Mark Chapman hosts The Athletic Football Podcast a flashy four times a week with David Ornstein, Adam Crafton and many others. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast will have all the women's Super League coverage off the back of their brilliant Euros and the offside rule is back too with weekly episodes. That's that's not all. There are eight dedicated club shows. There's Adam Hurry's joyous football cliché show, Michael Cox's insightful athletic football tactics podcast, the offbeat TIFO football podcast, and a revamped football manager show too. Ooh. You can get all of these shows wherever you find your podcast, or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Sign up to The Athletic today. It's cheap. For £1 a month, for the first six months, you can enjoy all the best writing on football and other sports too. Go to theathletic.com totally and you'll get loads of great insightful writing. Charlie, what have you got cooking up for the subscribers? Well, I've got an interview with Matt Dyer. Matt Dyer? I've got an interview with Eric Dyer and Matt Doherty uh, coming out on Wednesday. Nice. Good fun. I'm excited about that. I'm also really excited about a new piece by Tim Spears, who was on this show last week. He's done an article about the objects of the last 30 years that define the Premier League. Uh, I haven't read it yet because I don't think it's it hasn't dropped yet, has it? But I believe the Sunderland beach ball is one of his his objects. What what else would be in there? Of course, the Everton purple sex toy. I imagine it's got to be. <laughs> He's probably saving that for the final paragraph. What what else? We what what are the other objects? I'd I'd quite like as a kind of notion of our obsession and our love of foreign managers slightly jumping the shark. I think I'd nominate Felix Magath's cheese. And cheese, Ooh, yeah. yeah. Maybe. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rory DeLapp's towels. Yeah, that's a good one. Specify which ones. The hand towels, right? The ha- oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. Good. Pulis's cap. Um, oh, yeah, yes. nice. I, I like the uh, Kevin Keegan's headset. From his famous uh, mm. I Would Love It interview, which someone pointed out might also have been used by Ron Atkinson in his not quite as famous, but yeah. also very, very memorable. Silly yes. Machines. Silly Machines. Machines, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Silly Machines rant. Silly Machines. I'll whip them. I, I think the risk with all these objects is they, they risk becoming like those really bad Twitter avatars, you know, like the Anfield cat. Or, uh, <laughs> yeah. The moth, right. the moth from the 2000s. <laughs> yeah, finger zip up coat. You know, yeah, that sort that, of thing, that's a good know? one. Yeah, but shouldn't they, they? They should be in that football museum in Manchester, no? Wouldn't that be a great exhibit? I got really <laughs> excited when I went to the Museum of Football in Vienna, where they had uh, Bert Troutman's neck brace. Don't know how it ended Ooh. up there. Well, maybe that is in the football museum actually. In it was in a football museum somewhere, either Vienna or Manchester. It's so hard to know. <laughs> but that kind of thing, I find is is. Um, well, I'd like that. If you're listening, Football Museum. Anyway, uh, oh, yeah, the race for the top four. And fifth and sixth and seventh, if you want. Who, who's in there? Who have you got? Have we all got Spurs in the top four? Yeah, yes. getting nods. So who are the other? And we've got Man City and Liverpool in there. So that only leaves <gasps> one space. Who's it going to be, Daniel Story? Well, I've I've picked Arsenal over Chelsea, which is a kind of a bit of both. I think Arsenal will have improved. I'm not completely sure about Gabriel Jesus and I'm always a bit worried about using pre-season form as a barometer, but he has started really well in pre-season and crucially looks to be very, very happy with his teammates. But I just think Chelsea might be... It's kind of overdue a Chelsea meltdown season. Thomas Tuchel's well, already... After after 18 months. <laughs> well, exactly, overdue. They didn't have one last season. Um, Tuchel is already starting to sound slightly frustrated with the lack of options. And I'm, I'm really worried that they might slightly ruin Raheem Sterling in the way that they slightly ruined Romelu Lukaku by kind of playing him just as a, just as a kind of standard winger rather than a penalty box poacher. And if they do that, I don't see where the goals are going to come from. Do you feel that the signing of Cucurella, does that in any way tip the balance at all in the favour? No, I mean, if you were going to... I mean, I don't know what... 
Ben Chilwell's long-term fitness issues or recovery from that injury. But assuming he is okay, if you were going to ask me to name a list of six positions where Chelsea needed a player, given that they already have Chilwell and Emerson and Alonso and... I guess Baba Rachman is probably still knocking about Stamford Bridge. Ken- Kennedy, I bet, is still a judge. Kennedy will still be there. <laughs> Left back wouldn't have been the position. It, it, it smacks as a, the manager's getting itchy. Let's make a big signing. Signing. I see. Okay, who, who else has Arsenal ahead of Chelsea? Charlie? I think that is a hard one to call, and it may come down to which of the City um, cast-offs is too harsh a word, but mm. the two players City have sold, uh, Sterling or Jesus, which of them is more of a success. I still think Chelsea will have just about enough. Um, to do it but I mean they they certainly have had a pretty um, (laughs) mixed summer so far yeah Barcelona have just taken all the players that they want you know it's it's remarkable you know sort of Rafinha Koundé oh why don't why don't we have a pop at uh, Azpilicueta and Marcus Alonso maybe as well Uh, I just think from from a numbers game you can understand why Tuchel's kind of frustrated just because you lose Rudiger, you lose Christensen, you only signed Koulibaly. Yeah, he was a great signing in my opinion, um, but they need another centre-back and a quality one at that. Romelu Lukaku's gone. They don't have a, a recognised out-and-out goal scorer, which was you know why they signed Lukaku in the, in the first place. Um, you know, sort of, there's all this speculation about Timo Werner at the moment, uh, whether he goes back to Leipzig or, or or goes to somewhere like Newcastle, Juventus, and I just I just feel they've allowed they've been allowed to kind of go backwards, um, and so so I, I concur with Daniel. I can see a situation in which Chelsea kind of blow up, um, and and Arsenal yeah, don't. Well, I think Arsenal, I mean, they've got European football to contend with. I think this is going to be uh, another big year for, for, for Arteta. Um, I mean, uh, they're, they're clearly backing him. I mean, for, for, for them to spend what they have without Champions League football, I think is just, again, a uh, testament to the strength of the Premier League that, you know, these clubs are more or less recession-proof. You know, let's not forget that they put in a bid for Rafinha uh, as well. I like the signings that they've they've made, but we haven't mentioned Manchester United. Uh, and as much as United have a problem with Ronaldo and mm. they seem to have signed everyone from the Eredivisie or someone who's played in the Eredivisie, um, they have looked, apart from that game against Rayo Vallecano, good in pre-season. I think they, they underwhelmed last year in terms of the talent that they've got on the squad. Martial looks kind of reborn. Um, straight but. into my fantasy team as my differentiator. Nice. Um, and but. but what's the but, James? Come on. You know who the but is. <laughs> the king is but. Yeah. Hey. If, if 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 Ronaldo isn't in that team, United are about to start a season with a first choice centre forward who scored one league goal in eighteen months in Martial, which is for all the pre season form is is astonishing for a club with their resources. It really is. But he's about to be coached. These players are about to be coached for the first time in 10 years, uh, apparently. (laughs) There's even discipline there. Who knew? Mm. All right. Well, so Man United with a big question mark. Chelsea with a preseason that's been vomit-inducing for another reason. Arsenal with some really exciting 
signings and Gabriel Jesus, seven goals in preseason, a hat trick against Sevilla last Sunday. Charlie? Well, I think the we'll get a good sense of Arsenal as early as Friday night because th- mm. that feels like a kind of perfect lab conditions for an Arsenal meltdown. I mean, th- this was the game really that turned their season last year. You know, the 3-0 defeat when at that point they looked in a very good position to still get fourth. They lost 3-0, they lost Thomas Partey, they lost Kieran Tierney before the game and it all, uh, yeah, it all kind of just, you know, went to pieces. So, you know, I think the, the Premier League, as they did last year with Arsenal, giving them Brentford on the first day, kind of licking their lips, being like, here we go. This is going to be absolutely ripe for an upset. Mm. I think, you know, Palace are Arsenal's bogey team. I think in the last few seasons, only City and Liverpool have taken more points off Arsenal than Palace. So Oof. it does feel ripe for that. But if they were to go there and actually block out all that noise and just turn what was a 3-0 defeat into you know, a, a convincing display. I think suddenly people would be taking notice of them. All right, Friday night, under the lights at Selhurst Park, it is Palace Arsenal. And meanwhile, Chelsea kick off their campaign Saturday evening at Everton. Man United are home to Brighton, club who've given them some problems in the past. That's on Sunday. West Ham, who we haven't mentioned, host Man City. Quick shout for them. Quick shout for Gianluca Scamacca, James. Your, your friend. Now, my, my China. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very exciting. Um, he's one of those players who has all the attributes to be uh, the kind of prototypical modern striker. You know, he's tall, he's quick. He can score from outside the box. It's good close control inside the box as well. And I think there's a lot of hope pinned on him in Italy that... You're going to the best league in the world, in the Premier League. Prove yourself. Um, we need a striker because James Richardson is so unconvinced by Churi Mobile and everything he does. Um, in an in a, uh, in an Azuri jersey. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, uh, I would say, uh, yeah, we interviewed uh, the late Mino Raiola on, uh, on The Athletic uh, last year. And he said one of the things he learned um, maybe with Balotelli, but also with Moise Ken was yeah he he's he was never going to send a young uh, Italian striker to play in the Premier League again just because he felt that the pressure was too much that wow. um, the Premier League had become a little bit like Serie A in that you lose one two games and the manager's instantly under pressure and that leads them to go with experienced rather than youth and obviously for 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 Ken he he suffered that kind of sort of transition between managers at Everton and and that sort of thing. And so it'll be interesting to see if Skamaka bucks that trend um, and and delivers in a way that Marco Borriello, David Di Michele, who now plays eight aside with Totti in kind of the Rome the Rome leagues, um, uh, whether he he becomes yeah sort of an Italian legend for West Ham in the way that Di Canio was. Um, certainly got the exuberance so so let's see Daniel says Arsenal for top four along with Spurs City and Liverpool Charlie and James is it Arsenal for you as well in a word Chelsea for me Chelsea for Charlie and James United wow big big wow I mean I I know pretty much every single Monday and Thursday we have to sort of find a new way of saying this is a mark of how far United have fallen but the fact that we can all be astonished at someone picking United to finish fourth is pretty impressive 
It certainly is. For Manchester United Football Club. <laughs> yeah. I didn't specify which one. Could be West Ham United. Could be Leeds United. You oh, don't know. Yeah. What's what's more wow inducing? <laughs> well, very shortly, I suspect we will be talking about uh, Leeds United because we're going to have a chat about who's going down alongside Wolves. Matt Davis Adams, who, as you know, has some form when it comes to tipping early relegation teams has already booked Wolverhampton Wanderers for a trip down to the Championship. Two more spots remain, though. We'll be talking about those and Whisper It, our quiz. This season, following your team on The Athletic is better than ever. Our brand new match blogs give you real-time updates so you'll get all the stats you need to know as they happen, from XG to XA, from progressive carries to PPDA and so much more. You'll now get the same level of unrivaled insight from The Athletic during the 90 minutes as before and after kickoff. The Athletic's match blogs are the essential companion for everything you need to follow the game. See for yourself on The Athletic app and at theathletic.com. This is the Totally Football Show, part of The Athletic Podcast Network. All right, 31 years of the Premier League. Producer Charlie pointing out that this will be the 31st season, but this is this is 30 years. Is that right? Started 30 years ago. This is the 31st season coming up. All right, listener. Who's up for Duncan Alexander's all-time favourite Premier League stats? Yeah. Everyone's nodding vigorously, including you, listener, I noticed. Good. Uh, Duncan loves uh, Norwich coming third with a negative goal difference in 92-93. It's quite niche, but you may enjoy that. Uh, Duncan also offers a journeyman Andy Roberts playing four games against Arsenal in 97-98. Two for Palace and two for Wimbledon. Well, thanks to the floodlight failure when Spurs when mm. Arsenal played Wimbledon in December 97 and it got moved to the following okay. March. All right. Uh, Duncan also offers a record six different players taking penalties for Portsmouth in 07-08. I'm surprised that that's that rare. It's yeah. quite a lot because you've got to get quite a lot of penalties as well. To I guess and so. miss quite a lot that. to change mm. takers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, Man United never having lost a Premier League home game when leading at half time. In fact, says Duncan, they haven't lost a home league game when leading at half time since 1984. That's a remarkable statistic. The aforementioned Roy Delap taking 21% of all long throws in the Premier League in 08-09. And. From the 2016-2017 season, Tottenham Hotspur, they were top scorers and they had the best defensive record, but they still didn't win the title. Crikey. All right. Where's Poch going to go next? That's the thing, isn't it? Mm. That's a question there. What do you think? Mm. Back to Saints. Leicester? Come well, on. Leicester, no, but I think James said who's going to be the second new manager. Mm. And we didn't mention Leicester as a... Uh, as a, Rogers. As a, as a hot a bench, point. as they say. Rogers to Newcastle before the end of the season. Poch, Poch to Leicester, or Poch to Newcastle, I suppose. Really? He's, he's done. He's done. He's done. PSG. You might as well collect the the, the double. <laughs> I think he's a lot better than that. We'll be talking about the relegation teams very shortly. I just want to mention because we have been following it all the way through the Athletics' best Premier League performances series. Uh, you will recall that they've been doing the top 50 individual performances in the 30 years of the Premier League so far. Hashtag summer content. On Monday, we listed numbers five down to two. Who's number one? Peter Schmeichel. 
Daniel's shaking his head. You're not having that, Daniel. Do you want to know which performance? Uh, I'll guess it's the one against... Uh, that won them the league, basically, in 96. Yeah, you're so good at this. Asprea. Ferdinand has made the run. Nes Ferdinand. Good save again by Schmeichel. Second time in the opening five minutes that Schmeichel has denied Ferdinand. Yeah, March 1996, Newcastle had a 12-point lead over Man United in January. That got cut down to four points before Keegan's side hosted the Red Devils. And it was Eric Cantona's goal after Peter Schmeichel's heroics that took momentum away from the Magpies and to Sir Alex Ferguson's defending champions. Wow. No, I'm not having it. Goal- goalkeepers should be punished. They've only got one job to do. No chance. All right. Well... Controversially or not, Peter Schmeichel bags the number one spot. Uh, it's a shame it's over, the uh, Athletics' best Premier League performances, because it's been fun. But then I guess we're going to have other things to talk about come this weekend. Things like relegation. Mm. Only once, friends, in Premier League history have the three promoted sides all gone straight back down. Only once in 30 years. Do you know when that was? I bet you do, yes. don't you, Daniel? Oh, yeah, Charlie do, does as well. I do know I that. do not. It's not going to win you a quiz, Charlie. It's not going to shag you, that answer. (laughs) 97-98. And the teams were Bolton, Barnsley and Attilio Lombardo's Crystal Palace. This time, who's it going to be? Let's get your one, two, threes. Daniel's grimacing. Yeah, I mean, I'm about to say that we're due all three promoted sides going back (gasps) down. What, even your Forest? I I think they are probably the best well, we don't know if they're the best prepared. They're the most unpredictable, whereas I think Fulham and Bournemouth are easier to predict going down. But I just think the promoted teams this season have lost their safety blanket in, in Burnley, Watford and Norwich going down. I think they were, if one of those had managed to avoid relegation and a Leeds or an Everton had gone, I think you could say, OK, that's the team we're catching. I think it's quite hard now. I think there's a group of teams of which I'd include... Southampton, I'd include Leeds, I'd include Wolves, I'd include Brentford, I'd include Everton, Mm. who are all basically much of a muchness. But the thing as a promoted club is you think, oh, we're playing Wolves at home today, we need to win. And then Pedro Neto scores from 20 yards and Ruben Neves and Giamatinio rule the midfield and you think, well, yeah, obviously we lost that. They've got a better midfield and a better forward than us. I just think the gap is growing. I hope I'm wrong. Um, but I th- yeah, I picked the promoted three. You, you to go got back. your worries in early for this new season, haven't you, Daniel? I mean, I wouldn't. Don't I've not used them all up. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> Already that, that 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 trip to Wolves is looming in in your mind. Crikey, uh, Forest, who've actually gone out and spent some money, and Jay Ling's among the twelve new signings at the City Ground back in the big time after twenty three years away. Of course, that kind of team revolution, that kind of squad mass overhaul can can work for you or against you, as we've seen for yeah. teams like they didn't, they, in the past. We should say they, they didn't have a choice. They mm. lost, they had yeah. six low knees last season and they lost Bree Samba, the goalkeepers. They didn't, and the, the squad wasn't good enough to stay up anyway. So they didn't really have a choice. The, the People are making the Fulham comparison, which I completely get. I think the better mm. comparison is with Villa, who when they came up had a load of lone players and bought, I think, 15. The difference, And they stayed up by a point, but the difference is that, that they had Jack Grealish. So... Lingard is going to have to be that Jack Grealish for Forrest. Right. Well, he kind of was for West Ham when he, he went there. Who were your other two relegated teams, sorry? Fulham and Bournemouth? Yes, yeah, you said all of them three. All right, Charlie, who have you got as the three? Yeah, I mean, Fulham and Bournemouth sort of feel like they're already preparing for life back in the Championship, as, as harsh as that sounds. 
I'd, I'd be very surprised if they stayed up. Um, but, you know, stranger things have happened. And then the third, I will... I mean, I was looking at this doing my predictor table yesterday and found it quite difficult. But I, I will go Brentford in, in a kind of second season syndrome sort of way. I mean, I feel like they were so punching uh, last season to a large extent. And Ericsson was so big for them. I mean, remember, I know they lost David Raya as well, which coincided with the bad run of form, but he absolutely transformed them. I mean, I think if, if he if they hadn't signed him, they may well have gone down last year, the trajectory they were on. Um, yeah, I'm going to go Brentford as the third. Okay. Fulham, Brentford, Bournemouth. They have uh, Brentford made club record signing of Hull City's Player of the Year, Keen Lewis Potter. You're from Hull, James. What can you tell us? <laughs> <laughs> a man who knows a thing or two about Hull. I've, I've I've been I've been enjoying following Hull's new owner on Instagram. Okay, why? What's he do? He's well. He's got one of those power boats with the mm. kind of tiger livery. Um, oh. Did the same with a kind of jumbo jet. He's Has always he got a in tiger the local pubs. tiger livery jumbo jet. Yeah, oh. I don't think it's his. I think it's a commercial partner of the club and right. they've done this but it, i mean it, it looks great is it inside uh, is it all like tiger skin tiger kind of divans and and, <laughs> and and chocolate fountains sorry i'm just yeah uh, okay well that's nice should say just on brentford as well they are it looks like they're going to sign martin damsgaard which could make a big difference for them as out of that sampdoria james tell us about mm. him well he's coming off a kind of injury hit year on a poor team in Sampdoria that's kind of been fighting against relegation so if Charlie's uh, kind of projection of what uh, Brentford are going to be dealing with this this year you know he's he's someone who's been able to keep teams up with uh, long range sparky blasters um, so he's very good at that um, he's a Dane of course so you know that's why they've signed him uh, no other reason um, and you know, I think he's an exciting talent. Remember, he lit up the Euros uh, mm. for a brief for a brief period, um, and I think it's the right time for him to to kind of move on after a few years of at Scandidoria because Scandidoria had uh, yeah lots of mix of Norwegians and Danes and uh, and Swedes who've who've gradually kind of all moved on. So um, so yeah, good. Um, yeah, maybe worth. Putting on your bench in uh, in the fancy in the fancy league, but um, but yeah, him and I'm, I'm excited to see Aaron Hickey, um, who had a really good couple of years, but particularly last season uh, with Bologna. You know, someone who sort of really again plays with attacking verve, gets into the box, scores goals. Had already been attracting a lot of in, interest. I think it was always his plan to come back to the UK this year. So I quite like Brentford's business. Um, you know what Brentford for top four actually can I change my <laughs> <laughs> um, certainly compared with Everton who are my team that will get relegated Ooh, they only only just avoided relegation last season and have sold Richarlison I imagine that's part of your thinking there is it James well I just think the club's a complete basket case and um, and if you look at the business that they've done I don't think it dramatically improves uh, improves their lot um, you know, Richarlison, as you as you mentioned, such a such an influential player for them, um, and 
And then, you know, I don't think saving the club, as, as huge as it was for the blue side of the city and for Everton fans, calms any kind of doubts people have about Frank Lampard necessarily. So in that sense, I think you've got, you've got a perfect storm uh, that uh, is still ready to, uh, to, to sort of whip up and come back. Um, I think Leeds, as much as there's scepticism about Jesse Marsh, I think they seem to have signed well and... I just think they're a little bit more of an agile club at this moment than than Everton. Um, in that too massively, to... too massively influential players leaving Rafinha and Calvin Phillips. Yes, but I think I like I like the signings. I like Sinistero if he can stay stay fit. I know he picked up a bit of a knock uh, in, in preseason. Um, I just think that if if it comes to January and they need to act, they're in a better position to act than. Uh, than Everton are, um, and and so that's why, yeah, I, it wouldn't surprise me if we see a change of manager at either of these clubs uh, in the first half of the season. But for me, yeah, for, for me, Jimbo, uh, yeah, it's 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 Everton, Everton, Fulham, and Bournemouth. The the other yep. the other club I bring uh, for in Forest instead of Bournemouth for some reason. Yeah, well, that's a shame. Everton, stop, Fulham, stop and Forest. Track. Yeah, yeah, uh, okay. Um, I think the other club that uh, I think uh, when James mentions Leeds, I think they're basically the hardest club to predict in the Premier mm. League this season. I think the other impossible even they don't know what they're going to do next. Indeed, <laughs> a club that does know what it thinks it knows what he's doing, but I think is just as hard to predict is Southampton, who right. have had the most bizarre summer in which they've their their four most expensive signings have got an average age of 19 and share 34 top flight starts between them in their careers and Gavin Bazunu four of those are Gavin Bazunu at Shamrock Rovers and they've spent something like 60 million on these four or five players which is it's a really when the new owners came in in January they talked about this kind of club network model and and every that's kind of sets off the the red bull alarm and and it does feel like they're going for something like that where they buy low and sell high. But it's a heck of a risk doing that in a in the Premier League in a squad that looked really weary last season and really short of goals. Um, mm. So did they you, are they are just a complete punt, I think, this season. Did you see Aribo's goal for Saints against Villarreal at, at, at the weekend? Yeah, he he is he is the exception in that he's slightly older than the other signings. He, he and he he was he's slightly cheaper than them as well. Uh, I think he's a great pickup from Rangers. Again, I think he's a bit of a punt, but I think he's he was well worth it. It's the spending 50, 60 million on, on players with no experience that I find slightly astonishing. They're the sort of signings, if you bought them for three or four or five million, like Brighton tend to do, I'd say that's really worth it. But um, yeah, it's, mm. a, it's an odd one. It's certainly a, a deliberate policy, though. Not sure how much the momentum from last season necessarily influences what the club's going to do this time. We've, we, we mentioned it in connection with the title race, but perhaps worth pointing out that the Saints, in the final three months of the last campaign, since the start of March, were the second bottom in, in the Premier League in terms of points taken. Only, only relegated Watford had a worse record than they did. So I guess something needed doing at St Mary's. Crikey. All right, well, there you go. That's a relegation picture. And it all gets going this weekend. Who have these teams got? Well, Fulham, host Liverpool, Bournemouth get a visit from Villa. Newcastle are up against Nottingham Forest. Where, where is, where do you see Newcastle? We've not mentioned them at all, actually. Where, where do you see them? Which, which zone of the of the Premier League do you see them inhabiting? 
I think they'll do quite well. Um, Top eight? But, yeah, I think I've got them as eighth, actually, in my predicted table, <laughs> as if that means anything. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, just based on how well they did under Eddie Howe fr- from when he took over last season, again, as you say, with Southampton, the reverse of this, how much form at the back end of a season matters. But but more, I guess, just looking at all the time they've had under Howe, um, that seems to be a good fit. You know, and, and if you're looking, I know that a lot of the teams around them won't, but someone like West Ham, say, having the Conference League, I think that's quite a big drain on resources. Newcastle won't have anything like that. So I um, I think they will do quite well. I think more than ever this season, there's a, there's two, and I'm prepared to look completely foolish when this completely mashes together, but it feels like there's two definite stratas outside the top six and the bottom three, and that there's that, there's that mush of clubs that I think will be bottom half that we've mentioned. And then there's... So- so you've got your top two. So you've got your top two, and then I think you'll have... I think the big six will be the, the top six. And okay. then I think you've got a mush of clubs, which is West Ham, Newcastle, Leicester, Villa, Palace and Brighton. Okay. And then you've got the mush of clubs, which is everyone Wolves else down to the bottom Everton. three. Right, okay. Uh, and it, it, the question is, and what will determine whether these clubs have good or bad seasons, I think, is whether they're able to jump or fall from one of those bunches of teams to the other. And... Yeah, Newcastle, one of those. I could easily see them finishing 13th and having sacked Eddie Howe by the end of the season, or I could see them finishing 7th. It's basically impossible to predict, I think. That's the beauty of the Premier League. Only in the Premier League, Daniel. Yes, OK. It's the toughest, most competitive league in the world outside the top six and bottom three. <laughs> I mean, Wolves, they they were actually pretty good. I know they fell away, but we're, we all seem to be expecting that they're not going to have... A great season is that? I mean, it's because... Matt. Matt Davis Adams said that. Yeah, and he let's forget he's a, he's a one out of two. He's like a weatherman at the moment. He's just fifty-fifty <laughs> guessing if it will rain or not. Mm. Wolves are at Leeds on the opening weekend. Saints visit Spurs. Everton host Chelsea on Sunday. Leicester, Brentford, Man United, Brighton, and West Ham, Man City. Thursday on the Tooley Football Show, we'll probably have a slightly slightly more specific look at those fixtures for what that's worth and some other fun stuff as well but right now to finish off today's show having gone through a lot of questions that we don't yet have the answer to let's see if Daniel, Charlie and James can provide the answers in our special 30 years of the Premier League quiz can I bank that 97-98 relegated team oh, one? absolutely absolutely <laughs> Charlie also uh, sorry Daniel also knew which Peter Schmeichel performance? Yep, so that's worth a point. And James knew about the Tiger Skin airplane, which for me is... Two points, yeah. yeah. Two points, definitely. <laughs> anyway, here we go. It's just for fun, Charlie. It's just for fun. And hey, listen, why don't you play along at home or wherever you're listening? Here's question one anyway. Who were the defending champions heading into the start of the Premier League? Leeds United. All right. And for a bonus yes. point, where did they finish that season? Oh, it's mid-table. Fourteenth. 17th. Wow. They didn't win away from home, did they? That That is correct. That is correct. Almost the Kaiserslautern. Didn't they win the league and then go down the following year? Something. Boom. There's no points for Europe in here, James. (laughs) (laughs) If it's not the greatest league in the world, we're not interested. (laughs) All right, there you go. Our our league. Our league. We all knew that one. Let's see how we do with question two. What separates 92-93 from every other Premier League season? Succession of years? Yes, that's correct. No other... Yeah. No, uh, it's something about the jerseys. 
Oh, they didn't have sh- uh, player names on the back of the shirts. Correct, Mundo, Charlie Eccleshare. 92-93 was the only Premier League season without squad numbers or names on the back of shirts. It was 1-11 to all the way. Another Eccleshare early lead here. <laughs> this, is, this is tragic. When it doesn't matter. Classic. <laughs> yeah, great in training. No. Charlie, Who you won our explain? first round match, James. That's, uh... <laughs> what was the what was the reason you? I think you had a, a little. No, bit of I was just going to say that it. they an extra little thing at the F, in the FA Cup final of that year. They did wear them. They had oh. the player names as a sort of what felt like a kind of trial or appetizer for the following season. Mm, very nice. Question three: Which nation has provided the most number of managers to have won the Premier League title? Italy. Correct, Amundo. Name him, James. Claudio Ranieri. Correct. Roberto Mancini. Yes. Carlo Ancelotti. Yes. Antonio Conte. There it is. Four of them. What a country. <laughs> Question four. Daniel, you've been very quiet so far. Yeah, just taking my time. It's fine. Which six clubs have been in the Premier League for the entirety of the last Arsenal, 30 years? United. Yeah. Chelsea. Everton. Everton yeah, Liverpool. Yeah. And Spurs. Big- yeah. Big six minus City plus minus Everton, City. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Well, how about this for a twister then, or a chaser? Apart from those six clubs, who are the only two Premier League teams that have never suffered relegation? Brighton, Brentford. And... Correct, James Vaughncastle. Wow. You see, quizzing is fun. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, I, that's uh, a preview. I mean, we could have gone, I guess, longer and deeper. But in the end of the day, it's just empty words until the football actually happens. And it will start happening on Friday. Thursday, we've got a bit more of our chitter and chatter. Uh, so do join us for that. Uh, <laughs> is that you, Charlie? for the start of the season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do, join us, do join us for that. Many, many thanks, though, for now to Charlie Eccleshire, James Horncastle, and Daniel Story and producer Charlie, and you listener. Uh, we'll catch up with you soon and from all of us here it's goodbye and have a great season you've been listening to the totally football show part of the athletic podcast network listen ad free on the athletic app and discover bonus content by following the athletic uk audio plus on apple podcasts find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally the athletic